For small businesses like Patco Construction that have seen banking accounts drained after incidents of corporate account takeover, improved online security measures would be a plus. But how much improvement can small businesses expect as the FFIEC's updated online authentication guidance takes effect in January? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Mark Patterson, co-owner of Patco Construction, which in May 2009 had more than $500,000 in fraudulent ACH transactions hit its bank account after its account was taken over. Mark, can you give us a little background about the ACH fraud incident that hit your business in 2009? Uh, yes, uh, Tracy. Um, what happened with us is I came in on a Wednesday. Um, actually, I came home because all my bank statements are, are sent to my home so that I can review them before our bookkeepers uh, receive them, which many accountants and CPAs you know, ask their customers to do to make sure they're detecting any internal fraud. So anyway, I get all my statements uh, mailed to my house, and I got home on a Wednesday night received a notice from the bank that uh, um, that one of the transactions, ACH transactions that I, we had performed the previous Friday, about five days earlier, uh, the account number was not correct and that they needed to give us a, a better account number so they could uh, complete the transaction. I looked at it. It was for $9,000 to a woman out in California, and I looked at it and said, well, this must be wrong because the only thing we do is ACH transactions for is payroll, and we don't have an employee in California. Got in the next morning and uh, spoke to my CFO and, and asked him, I said, you know, can you call the bank because obviously this is wrong. This isn't us. And... Um, you know, kind of, kind of left it at that because I just figured it was a, a bookkeeping error that the wrong message had been uh, mailed to us the previous Friday. Um, he called me later on. I was on the road, uh, and he called me and said, Mark, uh, you know, we have a bigger problem and that it appears as though over $545,000 had been moved from our accounts, uh, to various, uh, bank accounts all over the country over the previous five days. Um, we had not heard from the bank, um, had been notified any of this money had moved. Uh, it was all being done electronically, and, uh, and we were blown away. Uh, so uh, we contacted the bank. The bank really didn't know what was going on. They said, gee, let's look into it and we'll get back to you. Unfortunately, it took them long enough that another hundred thousand dollars that brought it up to 545 had already left the bank um, and uh, because they really weren't up to date on what ACH fraud was and how it worked uh, we were able to claw back um, almost a little over two hundred thousand dollars so our total loss was three hundred and forty five thousand dollars you later filed a lawsuit against the former Ocean Bank which is now part of People's United Bank to recoup some of the losses that you suffered as a result of this account breach what was the outcome and where does the case stand now Mark? Well what happened was uh, we filed a lawsuit asking the bank after we had met with the bank and asked them to, if we could come to some sort of an agreement on this and the bank basically said this is your problem um, you know, we did not, the, the money did not disappear because somebody compromised our system. They compromised your system, you know, one of your computers. So what they did was, um, we filed a lawsuit and, um, um, had depositions and it took well over a year to get through that whole process. And, and it was, um, uh, very trying. Uh, and at the end, what we did was we made a motion for summary judgment, which basically says this isn't a, a question of fact, uh, but a question of law. And the, the law that we uh, 
uh, were basing our claim on was that the security measures and security systems at Ocean Bank were not commercially reasonable. Um, the bank uh, did a similar motion for summary judgment that said that they were commercially reasonable, and so we were uh, we filed our lawsuit in the first uh, in the federal district court in Portland. Um, the uh, judge did not hear the case. He moved it over to uh, a uh, magistrate, and the magistrate wrote a 70-page opinion that basically said on the on the benefit to the bank that although their security measures could be better, that they met um, the uh, requirements of law and they found in their favor. Um, what does that mean? We, we, we basically lost at that point because uh, uh, it's a question of, of law, not a question of fact. The case didn't actually go in front of a judge and it can't go in front of a jury because every small business signs a an agreement with their law with their loans and, and deposits that they will waive jury trials. Um, so we lost at that point, and we uh, but now have filed an appeal, and uh, uh, we're waiting for that to be heard uh, at the first district court of appeals. Now, with the FFIEC's updated authentication guidance taking effect in January. Many financial institutions are, of course, making investments in enhanced controls that would help to detect and prevent fraudulent transactions, like the ones that hit PATCO from being approved. How do you feel about the updated guidance, Mark, and do you think it will have an impact on improving online security? Well, I've, I've read the, the updated authentication guidance, and it certainly um, goes further to explain what banks need to do. Unfortunately, it's really a you know, uh, just a restatement of what their requirements are in terms of the types of authentication they need to do. Um, and it really isn't expanding it at all. Um, so although I'm, I'm excited and glad that they've, they've done an update, uh, I don't think it's really going to have an impact on the improved online security in general because the bottom line is, the banks are not responsible if someone compromises one of their customers' computers and uh, money is stolen from the bank accounts. So where do you see the guidance lacking? What, what areas do you think could be improved in the guidance or that could be included to hold banks more accountable? Well, you know, it, it all comes down to not really a guidance issue. I think the government has to step up and say, you know, the Zeus Trojan, which is probably where our computer was compromised is on the estimates, I've seen estimates as far as 70% of all personal and business computers have the uh, Zeus Trojan on them. And so, and most folks don't even know that those Zeus Trojans are on them. Their firewalls are, are just not sophisticated enough to prevent it. So the problem is, you have to look at it and say, where can we detect that the money is is leaving the account and that's a fraudulent transfer? The banks already have that software available and it's being used. Um, Regulation E requires that if a, a consumer has money stolen on a credit card or, or an ACH transaction, that they're that it's the bank's responsibility. And the banks do a very good job on that. I mean. Uh, gosh, there probably isn't a consumer today with a credit card that has not had a call from their uh, credit card company or bank saying, gosh, there's just been a transaction done 
20 states over from you and it was on your credit card, which is calling to confirm that it was your transaction that you meant to do it. So the systems are in place. The banks already have that software. The difference is, is that because they're not responsible, they're not on the hook for it, that they do not watch it close enough and they don't make that immediate response and say, hey, we need to act on this now because if we don't, we're going to be responsible and we're going to lose the money. So what more would you say, Mark, that small businesses like yourself need from the financial institutions that they work with? I think what, what it really comes down to is they, they need to be that watchdog. I mean, it's uh, the most small businesses and consumers just simply aren't sophisticated enough uh, to see what's going on. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, when I explain my story and I tell my story as often as I can, because I'm, I'm really trying to get the word out that folks understand what it is. But most people, when I say this is what happened to me, their, their eyes are wide, their mouths are open and they say, well, isn't that covered by FDIC insurance? And I said, no, that's not what FDIC insurance is for. If the financial institution goes down, you're covered but not if the money is stolen through ACH fraud. So they need to really uh, ask their banks, and there are a, a number of banks that have stated that they will cover ACH fraud, uh, but obviously most banks are not. Um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, what, what do they need from their financial institutions? I mean, obviously that would be the best. If they'd say, hey, we're going to guarantee that your ACH transactions are safe. That would be awesome. Um, if not that, um, they really need to understand the agreement that they're asked to sign from the bank and they read it and understand that they, they have potential if they use ACH transactions to lose their bank account. What role do you see enhanced customer education playing, and do you think that it would have made a difference in your case? Obviously, an attempt to educate users, consumers, small businesses is going to help. But I, I think it's like most things that, that come from your bank. You know, you probably get a little statement every month in, you know, in, each, in each of your bank statements, and you look at it or you don't look at it. Um, but, you know, you, you play sort of a cursory look at it. You know, you're more interested in what the statement says, balancing your checkbook, and so forth. So it's very difficult to get the word out. In in our case, um, many of the transactions, um, you know, of the warnings were were done online, and I can almost guarantee you that most small business owners um, <clears throat> are not necessarily the ones doing payroll. I mean, small businesses can be a one-person shop, can be ten, twenty, thirty. 40, 100 employees, and there's usually someone else doing the transaction, going in and doing the weekly payroll and so forth. So, But it's the owner okay, of the business that probably reads the detail, just like when they're getting a loan document, they read the detail. I think that banks certainly should sit down with the owners when they set up an account and say, you know, this is what's going on, this is what the, you know, your potential loss could be, if someone compromises your computer, um, what do you want to do? Um, so education's good, but on the other hand, it's so much easier, similar to a credit card, for the person who's actually transferring the money, the bank, to look at the transaction and say, you know what, this is a bad IP address. It's from a third world country. Um, we ought to look at this and maybe verify it with a customer 
before we transfer the money. Now, Mark, do you see incidents of corporate account takeover decreasing? Do you think that the industry is doing a better job at protecting commercial accounts than it did, say, two years ago? Well, you know, one one of the challenges you have with this type of theft is many times it goes unreported. Uh, in many cases, we were finding out is that the banks simply reimburse the customer, and so there was never a report that said there's been a a theft. Um, so it's hard to determine what the volume is of actual, you know. Uh, you know, how many crooks are being caught. I mean, whether you can actually, most third world countries, it's not even illegal to steal the money from someone out of your country, like in, in Eastern Europe. So uh, it's very hard to find or determine what the volume is. Um, I think, is the industry doing a better job? Well, yes, I, I think they are doing a better job, uh, but I think it's, they need to do more. And, um, I mean, I get, I get, I see emails, I get phone calls from people all over the country that are continuing to have their money lost, many of them nonprofits and small, uh, local governments. Um, there was one happened just, just this spring in a town, a, a couple towns over from me, from where I live, that lost $100,000. So, obviously, the word's not getting out far enough so that people are saying, whoa. Uh, I've got to do something different. Um, so it's uh, it's a very difficult thing. One of the things they recommend folks do is that they have a certain computer that's dedicated to doing their ACH transactions. And as soon as they make their transactions, uh, they shut the computer down. They don't use it for any other reason. I can almost guarantee you that most small businesses don't have the luxury of having a computer they just do for payroll or ACH, and then they use another computer to to do the rest. I would imagine most small businesses are struggling just to keep their computers up to date. What's the total number of losses that are occurring right now? I'm not sure anybody has that number. And what about collaboration? Do you see opportunity for small businesses and financial institutions to collaborate more in the future to help avoid some of these losses? I think obviously one of the things is that they need to get onto a more secure system. If they were on passwords like we were, they definitely want to uh, take advantage of tokens. And, you know, because tokens, although tokens have been breached, uh, it's much more secure than using uh, passwords uh, because, uh, you know, the, the guidance, guidance is saying that two passwords is not dual authentication. Uh, and so they need to be, to work together on that. Um, but boy, I tell you, I'm not sure how they can collaborate because, to be honest with you, I just don't think small businesses know the threat that's out there and uh, how bad it is. And finally, before we close, Mark, what advice could you offer to banking institutions who are listening to this podcast and trying to figure out a way that they could work more collaboratively with the small businesses to help educate and protect them? You know, I, I, I guess what I would recommend that they do is they are most likely, they're all using a software that rates ACH risk relative to ACH transactions. And we had some transactions that were obviously ACH transactions that were rated over a, a risk rating of over 700. And, 
you know, a normal payroll transaction might be in the single digits. So when that type of risk occurs, there's a flag going off. Somebody, a real person, needs to look at that report and say, we need to look at that. Because once the first one goes out, the next one from that ACH uh, uh, fraudster uh, with the same IP address now has a much lower security risk because the security rating, because the first one already went through. It's developing a pattern. So I, I really think what they need to do is, one, watch the reports. Have someone monitor them, make sure that there are any of the high-risk transactions, that they are uh, making a, a, a commitment to the customer that they are going to check those, uh, that their money is indeed safe at their banking institution. The other thing, which I have seen relatively little in uh, the two years since our transaction, is they need to get the word out. It's kind of a difficult thing. You know, how many banks want to send a message to their commercial customers that their money may not be safe in their bank account? It's definitely a challenging issue and one that um, I'm sure we'll be addressing for some time to come. Mark, I want to thank you again for your time today. You're welcome. Again, we've just heard from Mark Patterson of Patco Construction. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.